health class, birth control, STIs. This week, the Gal Pals talk about sex ed. It's your good Gal Pals, Kayla and Arnie, bringing you TMI Talks, where you'll be thinking, no one told me. For friends, sisters, and moms. For all women and vagina havers. Evidence-based information brought to you by a science master obsessed with research and a physician assistant. Just a reminder that this is for educational purposes only. Please seek a medical professional if you have concerns. We do our best to provide up-to-date information backed by evidence-based medicine. We do the research so you don't have to. Hello, and welcome to the No One Told Me podcast. This is the first episode in our Sex Ed series, and today we're talking about Sex Ed. So Kayla, what do we have to look forward to in this series? Yes, so this is a series that I've been waiting to get to because I know it's a hot button topic for many of us. We will be covering what sex ed really is and all the components that go into it. But for now, we're thinking, what do people normally think when they think sex ed? And I think the one of the first things that come to mind is birth control measures. I don't know about you, Arnie, but when I hear sex ed, I remember my class when I was in elementary high school and all I remember learning about is the anatomy and about STIs and then of course hearing about birth control measures from like I don't know the playground but when I say playground I'm probably thinking more like high school but like from like my peers is all I'm trying to say (laughs) so this is going to be a reoccurring series where we where we will be covering all the different facets of sex ed but for this installment of it and when I say installment I mean This episode, until our fourth one of the series, we will be covering birth control measures. And I'm glad that we're starting off with this because as Kayla mentioned, one of the first things most people think of when someone mentions sex ed is typically birth control. I don't know about you, Kayla, but whenever I think about that term sex ed, for whatever reason, the first image I get in my mind, probably because of pop culture references, is that of a condom being slid over a banana or a cucumber even though I don't I don't know about you but I personally didn't undergo that in my schooling so it's definitely the pop culture references that are playing a part there yeah I I think it might be I don't know I don't know maybe an American listener can tell us but I feel like it might be an American thing because all of the tv shows that I know I guess, influence that image for me or all American TV shows. Like right now I'm thinking about Seventeen again and they have this like hilarious scene where they're just giving out condoms, but they were like putting it on banana and saying how the official school teaching, it's very vivid in my brain. The official school teaching is like abstinence. So I completely relate to what you're saying. Well, Kayla, I don't know if you remember, but I actually did two years of middle school in the States. And I don't remember learning anything like that in our health class. So I don't know where those references come from. I would love for someone to give us a shout out and tell us if they have had 
that sort of experience in their sexual education as they were growing up. Yeah, I would love to know. Maybe it's a high school thing. That would make a little bit more sense. <laughs> yeah, if you know, please let us know because we're very curious. But episodes that you have to look forward to, and I do recommend listening to them to anyone who is curious or interested or think that they know everything about birth control measures. We're not only going to be going through the objectives of each measure, but how each measure obtains the objective and exactly what it's doing to prevent pregnancy. And we'll get into more detail of that later, but the sole purpose of some of these birth control measures isn't necessarily birth control, but we'll talk more about that. Yeah, so definitely tune in. We'll be covering hormonal-based ones, non-hormonal, and some measures that I'm assuming not a lot of people have heard of. Before we started on this journey of developing this podcast, I definitely hadn't explicitly heard of that additional birth control method. We're going to keep that as a surprise in, for, for the time being. Um, and I wasn't really taught much about it through my schooling. So it'll be really interesting for us to go through that topic together. Yeah, so more to listen to. But we wanted to start out this series with this episode where we will be talking about sex ed in general. So we already mentioned sex ed in pop culture a little bit. And I wanted to mention this one scene in Mean Girls because when I think of stereotypical school sex ed, I have the same picture of, and Arnie, you'll have to tell me if you have the same one or if you know what I'm talking about. The same picture in Mean Girls where Katie misses her gym class because normally sex ed is taught in gym class or with gym class. And it's just the gym teacher in front of like a pullout blackboard basically saying, don't have sex. Don't do it because you're going to get pregnant and then you're going to die. And that's the end of the lesson. He's like, just don't do it. Don't do it. And that he's very uncomfortable. And that's the whole lesson. And that is what I think of when I think of high school education sex ed. It's not what I received, but that's the picture. And I think that that might be a true reflection of how sex ed is in some parts of the world. But I'm glad that pop culture references have made um, an interesting portrayal of it. Entertaining at the very least. I mean, we already but, have two and we're only a couple minutes into the podcast. We have 17 again of Mean Girls. We promise that this episode is not just about pop culture references. But this brings us to a really great place. And we can talk about our own experiences with sex ed and we kind of touched upon that already so Kayla what did you experience in the Ontario curriculum when you were going through it yeah so as we mentioned before I grew up in Ontario and I think I got a pretty decent education to be honest with you it wasn't horrible it wasn't that person with the blackboard saying don't do it and then leaving us alone to figure it out for ourselves um, but it's definitely it was definitely avoiding certain subjects that I wish it didn't. So I know that we learned about anatomy, which is great. And we also learned about STIs. But to be completely honest with you, those are the only two things I remember learning 
in my sex ed class. And as Artie and I know, and I'm hoping our dear listener also knows from this podcast, there are so many different topics beyond our anatomy and STIs. Like we haven't even really covered STIs at all. And even the anatomy, we barely touched upon it. And we're already into what, episode number 11, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah. There's, and we have so many more for you. So there's so many other topics that our education system could be focusing on. I remember boys and girls being separated in elementary school. In high school, was taught through gym class. So you were already separated because the girls had their own separate gym class than the guys. And yeah, I had a very comprehensive STI education. I know the anatomy of everything, which is great. But beyond that, I don't remember learning about mucus health. I had no idea what a yeast infection it was. I had to go look that up myself. Um, things like endometriosis and PCOS, didn't learn about it until like a couple years ago. And I'm like in well into my 20s. Like that, that is something that I should have known before. I feel like that's something that I would have rather gotten an education about certain conditions that are very prevalent within women's health that no one really talks about, like endometriosis, like PCOS. There's so many people that do have it, and you don't get taught about it in school, which I think is so sad. The other, I know I'm going on a rant, and I apologize already, but the other thing is that I wish we got taught about stuff like, this is a different subject, but like miscarriages and infertility. I feel like when that subject was even like brought up, everyone shied away from it, and Growing up, I find out it's super common and it would be great to know how common it is because you don't want to carry that weight with you. And so many women struggle with that, mainly because obviously it's horrible to go through, but thinking you're going through it alone because you think that it's very uncommon sucks. Like that that just sucks. Like I know I'm a huge community person. Community is how I get through things. And if we can create a community where people know they're not struggling alone would make a world of a difference. And I just think it's something that should be taught. And like STIs are important to learn about, don't get me wrong. I think some of the time could be taken to at least mention these subjects. That's the end of my rant. I am totally on board with everything you just said and honestly probably couldn't have said it better myself. What I remember from health class, again, we were separated between girls and boys, and we had, I remember being taught anatomy, which, of course, little Arnie loved, (laughs) and I remember being taught about menstruation tools, so I remember being taught about tampons and pads, but those would be my earliest memories from the first time we learned about sex ed, which was grade four, grade five. And uh, Kayla, you're totally right. I wish we had touched upon things like miscarriages and infertility, maybe not in early grades, but maybe towards the end of high school. And something even as simple as PMS, most women experience it. And we talked about that in detail on our PMS episode. If something like that was taught in sex ed classes, maybe more people would understand what's happening to them when they are experiencing those feelings. Because PMS on top of 
a mind already rattled by adolescent hormones is a terrible combination. Again, when you feel like you're going through it alone, that's not the greatest feeling to deal with. So yes, sex ed has so many other topics that I wish were covered, but you know, it's hard to create a curriculum for everyone and that is okay for everyone. But that's why I like the new changes that were made to the Ontario curriculum recently. And I know there was a big uproar about this curriculum when it first came out. Um, I know initially I was a little bit uncomfortable about it when it came out as well because my brother was much younger and he was, I didn't love the idea of a grade one knowing about sex ed, but if you actually look at the curriculum, it's great. I wish that this stuff had come around much sooner. And I'm just gonna go through the website uh, very, very briefly to kind of go over what the new curriculum covers. So starting in grade one, they learn to identify body parts using proper names. I am a strong believer that if you call something by the proper name, you remove the taboo behind it. So saying the words penis, vagina, become actual medical vocabulary words that are okay to use rather than some slang in a playground which I love the idea of. Because again, you know me, I love getting down to things on a very medical lingo basis. And if we can make that common knowledge and common language, all the better. Basically, that's what you learn in grade one. And then grade two, you learn about basic stages of human development, that there is infancy, childhood, adolescence, and that your body does start to change. And then you go into peer pressure, bullying, uh, showing respect for others as part of this curriculum. I, I, I love that. I'm, I'm getting very like enthusiastic about this topic just because I think that the recent changes are hopefully going to pave way to a better future. And again, we've been saying this in previous episodes as well. The more we know about our own bodies, the more we are empowered to feel better about ourselves, to feel more comfortable in our skin. And that's always going to be a tough task, no matter what age you are. So if we can get them started young and feeling comfortable in their skin and knowing more about their bodies, that's all the better. I'm a big fan of this. And it goes all the way to grade eight and kind of gets into more detail about sexual health, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, which were, I don't know about you, Kayla, I didn't learn about these things until maybe end of high school, early university. Oh, I, I learned about that through, I guess, not the kindest of ways. Let's just leave it there. Through, like, people saying stuff that they, very unkind to other people. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But when it came to actually learning factual information about it, I feel like that wasn't until much later. I do like, I, I will admit that I haven't gone through the updated Ontario curriculum. Most of my commentary is based on my experience. Um, I'm glad that you went through it. Thank you for that. But I think it's it's great that they're focusing so much on respecting people because, um, yeah, I just think having respect for one another is something that everyone should have. It would be great if the world just worked like that. I think it's great that the curriculum really highlighted that. I think you said in grade three. Amazing. I love it. 
I do want to put a little caveat here that as much as I am wishing that other topics that I previously mentioned were taught at a high school level would be great, I do have to say that I do realize, and I'm sure you do too, trying to create a curriculum around this topic, especially towards minors, is a hugely daunting task, especially when you're dealing with all of the opinions of different parents and different parents' ideals. So as much as I say I wish all of this stuff was covered, and I truly, truly do wish it was all covered, I can I can sympathize with how hard it is to deal with this topic for someone who is creating policies and curriculum around it. And I completely agree. And this is kind of what I was trying to get at with my story earlier about when my brother was younger. When that initial word of the Ontario curriculum starting at grade one first came out, I was in shock. Like, what are, what are they going to teach these little kids? But again, when you look at the breakdown, it makes sense. Um, again, I'm not going to speak about politics and I have no interest in delving into that topic. I'm just looking at this at a purely factual basis that when you are comfortable with your body, you know more you feel better, you're more in control. I think that offers a lot to the conversation that we had earlier about when you hear sex ed, you think birth control, you think STIs, you think all of these things that adults and parents are probably not comfortable with their grade one student learning. But then when you go into the curriculum, we realize that they're classifying sex ed as respecting each other and knowing about your body at that age. And I think that's okay to teach someone who's who's one but at the same time like everyone has different opinions and that's the politician's job we don't want to really touch too much on that but um I think it does offer to the conversation that we had previously about what our mind goes to when we hear sex ed and that's that's it as well right we want to also talk about what sex ed really is sex ed is everything we talked about and more it's covers body image, sexuality, anatomy, birth control. It encompasses health and wellness. It's more than just contraception, pregnancy, and intercourse, right? It's so much more. And it's actually a pity that we don't think about sex ed as all of those topics, because I feel like if the term sex ed didn't feel like a dirty or taboo term, people would be more inclined to do their research on it as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, I think that also goes into conversation of the fact that we have obviously approached this conversation through a North American perspective, because that is what our background is in. But it's sex ed holds a different weight across the world and is taught very differently across the world as well because the world is huge and there's so many different cultures in it and so many different um, ways to approach the subject. Regardless of cultural differences, I do want to bring up, again, because we are an evidence-based information source, or that's what we want to convey, I do want to bring up... um, a study that was done by UNESCO on comprehensive sexuality education, which 
was proven to lead to improved sexual and reproductive health, resulting in the reduction of STIs, HIV, unintended pregnancy, and promoted gender equality and equitable social norms, and had a positive impact on safe sex behaviors, delaying sexual debut, and increasing condom use. So again, this is from the UNESCO website. They did a comprehensive kind of global review in 2015, which examined the education sex ed status in 48 different countries around the world. So this is like proven information, right? Sex ed helps. But the thing I do want to add that they also mentioned, there's a quote again from a senior specialist at the health education at UNESCO that mentions comprehensive sexuality education empowers young people to reflect on their behaviors, their environment, and their attitudes regarding gender and rights, all critical factors for improving health outcomes and HIV infection rates. And that was probably their topic of focus in this review paper and in this review paper. But I I love that quote because that speaks a lot to what sexual education really is and what it can mean for young individuals. Just a quick note, we're going to add in our about section the links to the Ontario revised curriculum, the the Global Review on Comprehensive Sexual Education by UNESCO from 2015, and a literature review done on adolescent sexuality education across different cultures, which we didn't really talk about in detail in this episode, but it's worth throwing in there in case anyone wants to take a look at what sex ed looks like around the world. Um, If just as someone who might be curious to look into this article. It looks a little bit intimidating, daunting. Just jump to table one if you want to see summary of sex ed in uh, United States and United Kingdom, and then jump to table two if you want to look at the summary of sex ed in three Chinese-speaking societies, mainland China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. So just as a tidbit, you can jump there. I know it can look very intimidating when you go right to a literature review. And on that note, I hope you guys enjoyed our, I'm going to say discussion, because this is more of a discussion, but I, I think it was a great one to introduce this series. We are going to take a little break and go to our summary and fun facts. Let's sum it up. Sex ed. It's about more than just birth control and reproduction. It's about identity anatomy, and your overall health. That's it. That's all we got. That's the whole point of this episode. Yeah, we did not prepare any fun facts today for you, unfortunately, but I am sure we can put in a... I'm sure Arnie might have some animal facts for us. And now it's time for our segment, Animal Facts with Arnie. Did you know, Kayla, that earthworms are neither male nor female? Because earthworms actually have both, quote unquote, male and female parts. I did not know that. For some reason, I thought earthworms were um, asexual. So no, actually, it still does take two to reproduce. They're not asexual or cloning species. 
but I never I never liked worms, so it makes sense as to why I wouldn't have looked it up. That's cool. Um, when I hear that fact, I think about um, Finding Nemo because I learned that through that, not through that movie, but I learned after that movie came out that clownfish have like in their school have like one female and then when the female like dies or goes away and one of the males return will kind of change into a female because they always need one I thought that was like a great fact so cool yeah I love that and you know what it kind of relates to our episode because of gender identity possibly I'm just throwing that in there as a vague umbrella statement that's the only related ish fact I could think about my other fun reproductive animal <laughs> fact is um, seahorses. I love seahorses so much. Um, if, if people don't know, the male seahorse is actually the one that carries the babies. And it brings me so much joy because I make fun of that. Not fun of it, but I always think about if I were a seahorse, how I would, how I would have to deal with that. Yeah, and on that note, uh, thanks for listening to our TMI talks where we do the research so you don't have to. Let us know if you have any questions at the Gal Pals Guide on Instagram or by emailing us at thegalpalsguide at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Okay, bye.